Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I tell you, we have crossed that episode 200 mark, and I am sort of re-energized about this show. I have received so many emails and, and tweets and just comments on the street from people who noticed that we had episode number 200, and people who listened to that episode where I talked about sort of the 10 things I learned from interviewing now almost 200 people. Some of the shows aren't interviews, so I can't say I've really interviewed 200 people, but it's probably well over 180 interview shows, and so I took the sort of recurring themes that I learned and made that into episode number 200. And and I was surprised how many people have reached out to me and said how much they enjoyed that or just that they saw we'd done 200 and they thought that was a real milestone. So it's kind of cool just to be at a new spot and I'm kind of re-energized and I'm trying to just get some really cool people on the show. And today is a day that we're delivering that to you because today we have Donna Kastner. Now, she is a longtime veteran of the events business, and she is now an events marketing consultant, and she works with associations and companies to help them make their events better, and she's got a couple other things going on, which I want her to talk about, so I wanted to invite her on the show and share with all of you her journey and all the cool things she's doing now as an entrepreneur. So Donna Kastner, welcome to Cool Things. Thank you, Tom. So so I'm here kicking it off your next 200? Uh, I think this is like 204, five, something like that. So yeah, we are, <laughs> cool. we are, we are over that, that hump and we, are, we are, are going forward. Awesome. So tell everybody about your business. When I say someone is like an event consultant, that can mean so many things in the world of meetings and conferences and associations. So why don't you tell everybody what it is that you do and, and maybe a little bit about your background? Yeah, my background is is pretty eclectic. Right now, um, uh, my main business is event marketing consulting. And so I'm working with various organizations that host events and really help them on attendance acquisition, really growing their crowd, and and even some involvement within the the experiential design piece. And I'm loving it. Oh, I love Uh, experiential design because that's really, I mean, that's not what I do, but that's where I fit in as a speaker. Because the whole idea is, is if people have a better experience, if their experiential, you know, touch to that event is better. And I think that your speakers are a big part of that and your master of ceremonies. And I love it because when people really have an experience, they have a better time at the event. And if they have a better time at the event, they're going to tell everybody else and they're going to come back next year. So I love it when people are doing that. Yeah, and I got to tell you that our son actually kind of got me dialed in a little bit more on that. Here I was involved in in the event space. I I initially came, I, I have a very kind of a phased in, phased out career, but for the last dozen years, I've been in the event management space, first working for Experient, then as a consultant, then as part of the Velvet Chainsaw team, amazing team, and now back on my own as a consultant. But it's our son in the West Coast. He's a UX. He's in UX design. Oh, okay. And they've got such a, a, a series of rubrics and, and, and processes for really understanding and enhancing the user experience with technology. 
And it was amazing to me. The more I understood what he did, I'm like, wow, these same things with a few tweaks can be applied to the event space. Well, don't you agree that the world of events is really a microcosm of other types of business? Because events are really, we're bringing people together to interact, but no matter what type of business you're in, you're interacting with customers and coworkers and vendors, and we just sort of become a microcosm of that in the, in the conference world, I think. I, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's just this gathering of people and gathering of, of minds and, and kind of swapping ideas, so the, these events become these hubs for innovation. But it's interesting, the very thing I told you about my checkered past in it, and for most of my career, I kept thinking, what? I've got this crazy quilt of a career, uh, mostly driven by necessity, and what's funny is now it's serving me well in this space, but I'll tell you, I started as a high school band director. Oh, really? Um, that's a, That's yeah. an interesting place to start. Yeah, and it's just like we did. I did five years as a high school band director. We started our family, and then my first entrepreneurial endeavor was in New Jersey. In the mid '80s, I bought an IBM PC Junior and started typesetting book manuscripts at home for a publisher. <laughs> and then I started recruiting other work-at-home moms. And I know work-at-home is so common today, but. It wasn't in the 80s, so it was wonderful. But then I have a husband who had quite a few relocations. And for someone like me who's insanely curious, every time we moved, and we moved nine times through five states before we landed here in Cleveland, I, I just it was kind of a chance to revisit and tweak what I was doing. Um, so I navigated through. I was a magazine editor. I was a columnist. I did move through journalism. I was an infomercial producer for three years. Um, I released America's Work at Home Secrets, which an investor group did an infomercial on. And <laughs> Allie Mills, the mom from the Wonder Years, was our celebrity spokesperson. So talk about patchwork quilt. I mean, I've got it. But it's interesting because training, sales, marketing, those were kind of the threads that were weaving through. And when I landed in the event space, it just all came together. Well, so. I mean, if you think about it, directing a band, I mean, that takes a lot of moving pieces, not just from the musical side, but from the choreographing and from the logistics of moving the band and all the instruments to their, you know, competitions and everything else. I mean, that's that's a great training ground for someone who goes into events and then producing the infomercials and doing the journalism. It You, you call it a patchwork quilt, but it's almost, you could lie and tell people it was all by design. Okay, that's my new story, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what led you? I mean, you've obviously had little entrepreneurial ventures all, all along the way. But, you know, we've had a couple people on the show from experience, and we've had people from Velvet Chainsaw. You know, you worked for, you know, big and small consulting firms in the event space. What led you to say, I'm ready to go do this again by myself? Yeah, I think that the at Experian, I was I was overseeing training throughout the whole organization, and I'm working for this wonderful organization. But the, if you remember, I mean, this was 2008. Um, digital was roaring, and I was I was seeing this opportunity that I couldn't do as part of a larger organization, but I wanted to really pursue it. Um, so we were on actually a cruise for our 25th wedding anniversary, and I did some kind of like soul searching and went, you know, it's time. I needed to go dive back out in the water. And my hu husband now refers to that as our most expensive vacation because I resigned and went off on my own. And the economy tanked about the same time. And we had one kid in college and one coming in. So, um, but it, I think for me, once you taste a certain degree of freedom, um, you know, certainly it doesn't come without ramifications and risk. 
But I think that there's that longing uh, to do that. And the interesting thing is I was off on my own for three years. And then I had an incredible invitation from Jay Valetz to join Velvet Chainsaw Consulting, upon which I said, well, why don't you just become my best client? And he said, nope, it's this way or no way. <laughs> and I think I deliberated on that for minutes and said, no, these guys are incredible. I'm jumping on board. And those, those four years were, it was the equivalent of earning my MBA in event management, you know, from a high level business standpoint and really um, to be with these guys and, and to, to be involved with clients at this level, my learning curve was amazing. But once again, there's that, you know, gosh, now I, I feel like this is the swim lane I want to be in. So, you know, once an entrepreneur, it's a hard thing to set aside. So, <laughs> so what do you love? Yeah. What do you love about being an entrepreneur? Um, what I love is the ability to pivot and change or, you know, to shape the business. And what is my biggest challenge is the fact that I can do that. So I, I need to always remind myself, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm older and wiser today so I can recognize when I'm starting to chase what might be a shiny new object that, you know, it's like, Donna, get back in your swim lane and this is where your strengths are. Stay here. Um, you know, it's kind of the, your gift is your, is sometimes your challenge. And so, but I do like that ability when I can spot something, I tend to be, uh, at least strength finder says I'm, I'm futuristic. So I see something coming and I like to kind of move towards that. I'm going to bit forward leaning on that kind of thing. And I like as a solopreneur, the ability to do that and live or die by my choices. Well, and I can agree. I mean, uh, I had the opportunity last year to step in and, and host a digital broadcast, a, a simulcast of a conference. And I did it. And my friend who I did it with, we started a little business called The Conference Talk Show. And it's sort of the fact that if I worked for another company, it would be like, oh, no, this is what you, this is your job. I can remember years ago, I sold computer training when everybody needed to learn how to use a PC back in the early 90s. And I I wanted to be a trainer because I had sort of this desire, like now I get to be a speaker and a master of ceremonies. I, I wanted to be a trainer on the side because sometimes we didn't have enough trainers, so I couldn't sell certain days of the week. And I thought, well, I could sell it, then I could train it. And this was just Word and Excel, just basic classes. And my boss said, no, you're the salesperson. I don't want you distracted. You can't do it. And I didn't stay there very long after that because the fact was is it was, well, why? Why can't I sell it and train it? I mean, you just have to put me through the training class. It's three days long. And I loved the fact that now, because I work for myself, it's like, yes, I can be the simulcast conference talk show host and and do that. And nobody can say I can't. And so I think you're right. That is that is one of the greatest pieces. And this weekend, or I'm sorry, next weekend, I will actually be uh, doing that for a medical conference, uh, you know, simulcasting and, and sort of running their online chat room for all of their virtual audience. And I'm excited about it. It's on the weekend. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's in a cool place. And it's just a fun thing. And it's a little different. And nobody can tell me no. <laughs> I love it. So do you ever have days, though, where you think, oh, I should have stayed working for somebody. This is hard. Yeah. You know, certainly having deeper bench strength is helpful when you're struggling through something, knowing that you can kind of uh, tap into colleagues uh, for help or team up. That said, I, I think that at this point in my career, I've developed a strong enough network that I can replicate that through peers. Um, to a large degree. 
So, yeah, once in a, you know, sometimes or sometimes when I realize I, you know, here's the swim lanes I like, but I still have to invoice and bill and there's operational things I need to do or suddenly I'm doing something. I, you know, fired up a website last week and d- took painstaking measures to cross every T and dot every I and something went awry at the last minute and it's like, Okay, here's when I fire my IT director, and then it's like, wait, that's me. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. Oh, wait, I can't be fired. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I tell you, we have crossed that episode 200 mark, and I am sort of re-energized about this show. I have received so many emails and, and tweets and just comments on the street from people who noticed that we had episode number 200, and people who listened to that episode where I talked about sort of the 10 things I learned from interviewing now almost 200 people. Some of the shows aren't interviews, so I can't say I've really interviewed 200 people, but it's probably well over 180 interview shows, and so I took the sort of recurring themes that I learned and made that into episode number 200. And and I was surprised how many people have reached out to me and said how much they enjoyed that or just that they saw we'd done 200 and they thought that was a real milestone. So it's kind of cool just to be at a new spot and I'm kind of re-energized and I'm trying to just get some really cool people on the show. And today is a day that we're delivering that to you because today we have Donna Kastner. Now, she is a longtime veteran of the events business, and she is now an events marketing consultant, and she works with associations and companies to help them make their events better, and she's got a couple other things going on, which I want her to talk about, so I wanted to invite her on the show and share with all of you her journey and all the cool things she's doing now as an entrepreneur. So Donna Kastner, welcome to Cool Things. Thank you, Tom. So so I'm here kicking it off your next 200? Uh, I think this is like 204, five, something like that. So yeah, we are, <laughs> cool. we are, we are over that, that hump and we, are, we are, are going forward. Awesome. So tell everybody about your business. When I say someone is like an event consultant, that can mean so many things in the world of meetings and conferences and associations. So why don't you tell everybody what it is that you do and, and maybe a little bit about your background? Yeah, my background is is pretty eclectic. Right now, um, uh, my main business is event marketing consulting. And so I'm working with various organizations that host events and really help them on attendance acquisition, really growing their crowd, and and even some involvement within the the experiential design piece. And I'm loving it. Oh, I love Uh, experiential design because that's really, I mean, that's not what I do, but that's where I fit in as a speaker. Because the whole idea is, is if people have a better experience, if their experiential, you know, touch to that event is better. And I think that your speakers are a big part of that and your master of ceremonies. And I love it because when people really have an experience, they have a better time at the event. And if they have a better time at the event, they're going to tell everybody else and they're going to come back next year. So I love it when people are doing that. Yeah, and I got to tell you that our son actually kind of got me dialed in a little bit more on that. Here I was involved in in the event space. I I initially came, I, I have a very kind of a phased in, phased out career, but for the last dozen years, I've been in the event management space, first working for Experient, 
then as a consultant, then as part of the Velvet Chainsaw team, amazing team, and now back on my own as a consultant. But it's our son in the West Coast. He's a UX. He's in UX design. Oh, okay. And they've got such a, a, a series of rubrics and, and, and processes for really understanding and enhancing the user experience with technology. And it was amazing to me. The more I understood what he did, I'm like, wow, these same things with a little, few tweaks can be a, applied to the event space. Well, don't you agree that the world of events is really a microcosm of other types of business? Because events are really, we're bringing people together to interact. But no matter what type of business you're in, you're interacting with customers and coworkers and vendors. And we just sort of become a microcosm of that in the, in the conference world, I think. I, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's just this gathering of people and gathering of, of minds and, and kind of swapping ideas so the, these events become these hubs for innovation. But it's interesting, the very thing I told you about my checkered past in it, and for most of my career, I kept thinking, what? I've got this crazy quilt of a career, uh, mostly driven by necessity, and what's funny is now it's serving me well in this space, but I'll tell you, I started as a high school band director. Oh, really? Um, that's a, that's yeah. an interesting place to start. Yeah, and it's just like we did. I did five years as a high school band director. We started our family, and then my first entrepreneurial endeavor was in New Jersey. In the mid '80s, I bought an IBM PC Junior and started typesetting book manuscripts at home for a publisher. <laughs> and then I started recruiting other work-at-home moms. And I know work-at-home is so common today, but. It wasn't in the 80s, so it was wonderful. But then I have a husband who had quite a few relocations. And for someone like me who's insanely curious, every time we moved, and we moved nine times through five states before we landed here in Cleveland, I, I just it was kind of a chance to revisit and tweak what I was doing. Um, so I navigated through. I was a magazine editor. I was a columnist. I did move through journalism. I was an infomercial producer for three years. Um, I released America's Work at Home Secrets, which an investor group did an infomercial on. And <laughs> Allie Mills, the mom from the Wonder Years, was our celebrity spokesperson. So talk about patchwork quilt. I mean, I've got it. But it's interesting because training, sales, marketing, those were kind of the threads that were weaving through. And when I landed in the event space, it just all came together. Well, so. I mean, if you think about it, directing a band, I mean, that takes a lot of moving pieces, not just from the musical side, but from the choreographing and from the logistics of moving the band and all the instruments to their, you know, competitions and everything else. I mean, that's that's a great training ground for someone who goes into events and then producing the infomercials and doing the journalism. It You, you call it a patchwork quilt, but it's almost you could lie and tell people it was all by design. Okay, that's my new story, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what led you? I mean, you've obviously had little entrepreneurial ventures all, all along the way. But, you know, we've had a couple people on the show from experience, and we've had people from Velvet Chainsaw. You know, you worked for, you know, big and small consulting firms in the event space. What led you to say, I'm ready to go do this again by myself? Yeah, I think that the at Experian, I was I was overseeing training throughout the whole organization, and I'm working for this wonderful organization. But the if you remember, I mean, this was 2008. Um, digital was roaring, and I was I was seeing this opportunity that I couldn't do as part of a larger organization, but I wanted to really pursue it. Um, so we were on actually a cruise for our 25th wedding anniversary, and I did some kind of like soul searching and went, you know, it's time. I needed to go dive back out in the water. 
and my hu- husband now refers to that as our most expensive vacation because <laughs> I resigned and went off on my own. And the economy tanked about the same time, and we had one kid in college and one coming in. So, um, but it, I think for me, once you taste a certain degree of freedom, um, you know, certainly it doesn't come without ramifications and risk. But I think that there's that longing uh, to do that. And the interesting thing is I was off on my own for three years. And then I had an incredible invitation from Dave Lutz to join Velvet Chainsaw Consulting, upon which I said, well, why don't you just become my best client? And he said, nope, it's this way or no way. (laughs) And I think I deliberated on that for minutes and said, no, these guys are incredible. I'm jumping on board. And those, those four years were, it was the equivalent of earning my MBA in event management, you know, from a high level business standpoint, and really, um, to be with these guys and, and to, to be involved with clients at this level, my learning curve was amazing. But once again, there's that, you know, gosh, now I, I feel like this is the swim lane I want to be in. So, you know, once an entrepreneur, it's a hard thing to set aside. So, <laughs> so what do you love? Yeah. What do you love about being an entrepreneur? Um, what I love is the ability to pivot and change or, you know, to shape the business. And what is my biggest challenge is the fact that I can do that. So I, I need to always remind myself, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm older and wiser today so I can recognize when I'm starting to chase what might be a shiny new object that, you know, it's like, Donna, get back in your swim lane and this is where your strengths are. Stay here. Um, you know, it's kind of the, your gift is your, is sometimes your challenge. And so, but I do like that ability when I can spot something, I tend to be, uh, at least strength finder says I'm, I'm futuristic. So I see something coming and I like to kind of move towards that. I'm going to bit forward leaning on that kind of thing. And I like as a solopreneur, the ability to do that and live or die by my choices. Well, and I can agree. I mean, uh, I had the opportunity last year to step in and, and host a digital broadcast, a, a simulcast of a conference. And I did it. And my friend who I did it with, we started a little business called The Conference Talk Show. And it's sort of the fact that if I worked for another company, it would be like, oh, no, this is what you, this is your job. I can remember years ago, I sold computer training when everybody needed to learn how to use a PC back in the early 90s. And I I wanted to be a trainer because I had sort of this desire, like now I get to be a speaker and a master of ceremonies. I, I wanted to be a trainer on the side because sometimes we didn't have enough trainers, so I couldn't sell certain days of the week. And I thought, well, I could sell it, then I could train it. And this was just Word and Excel, just basic classes. And my boss said, no, you're the salesperson. I don't want you distracted. You can't do it. And I didn't stay there very long after that because the fact was, is it was, well, why? Why can't I sell it and train it? I mean, you just have to put me through the training class. It's three days long. And I loved the fact that now, because I work for myself, it's like, yes, I can be the simulcast conference talk show host and and do that. And nobody can say I can't. And so I think you're right. That is that is one of the greatest pieces. And this weekend, or I'm sorry, next weekend, I will actually be uh, doing that for a medical conference, uh, you know, simulcasting and, and sort of running their online chat room for all of their virtual audience. And I'm excited about it. It's on the weekend. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's in a cool place. And it's just a fun thing. And it's a little different. And nobody can tell me no. <laughs> I love it. So do you ever have days, though, where you think, oh, I should have stayed working for somebody. This is hard. 
Yeah, you know, certainly having deeper bench strength is helpful when you're struggling through something, knowing that you can kind of tap into colleagues uh, for help or team up. That said, I, I think that at this point in my career, I've developed a strong enough network that I can replicate that through peers um, to a large degree. So, yeah, once in a, you know, sometimes or sometimes when I realize I, you know, here's the swim lanes I like, but I still have to invoice and bill and there's operational things I need to do or suddenly I'm doing something. I, you know, fired up a website last week and d- took painstaking measures to cross every T and dot every I and something went awry at the last minute. And it's like, OK, here's when I fire my IT director. And then it's like, wait, that's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Oh, wait, I can't be fired. So, yeah, I, I think sometimes that support is, is helpful, but I think there's other ways to do that or to, to address those needs. So what advice then do you have for somebody who they have that little ping going on inside them that, that they want to go off and start their own, their own adventure? What advice, what would you tell somebody who wants to, to leave a job and go be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur? Um, I think the most important thing is to um, do some some solid thinking around what you enjoy doing, where your strengths are, because what you want to do is got to be in alignment with, with, with where you have those skills, talents, and experience. I mean, if, you know, for a person that has the patchwork quilt, there still was some, you know, running threads going through. So I think you need to um, kind of do some soul searching on what I do well, and then you need to test that out with other people because what you think you do well um, I, I mentioned Strengths Finder. I am, I'm a big fan of that book and that has that code and you, you, de- you identify your five signature strengths. And um, if you can stay in those lanes, that's really important. But I remember I took the test 10 years ago and I took it recently and four out of the five strengths came back almost in the same order. But one popped out and a new one popped in and I looked at the new one and went, Hmm, I'm not sure that's me. And then I talked to a few friends and they went, oh, that's totally you. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think, in fact, if I could, Tom, so this this concept of going off on your own, you know, back when I left Experient and was doing this consulting business, that's when the economy was tanking. And um, I was a, a, a coach in a local job search group helping people find that next job. And for many people, you know, boomers were getting pink slips a little faster than other generations were during um, the economic downturn. And it just struck me, wow, it's going to be really hard finding a job in your late 50s. Have you ever thought about starting a business and understanding that certain people had certain needs that that wouldn't be possible? But it was interesting to me that there was great apprehension around that. And um, so anyway, this concept of retirepreneur back in 2009 hit me and I did what any entrepreneur would do. I snagged the URL, <laughs> Good job. molded over, did some blogging and talked to a lot of people. And then I went and joined Velvet Chainsaw and put it on the side burner. But this is, it's as much a ministry as it is a mission and so it's been beckoning and so I've recently revisited it because I really think boomers have reinvented every phase we've moved through Um, it should be no surprise that we would want to do so for retirement and the motivations for people are all over the charts some people are choosing to do this and there's a lot of research that shows that if you can stay engaged um, over a longer period of time if it's an area of work that you enjoy there's all kinds of research that shows you'll be happier and healthier doing so, but 
boomers were also workaholics. And so somehow it's making that leap from full-time employment to a part-time consulting gig that I can adjust to some degree so that it's right-sized for my vision of retirement. That, in essence, is Retirepreneur. We're just helping to people make that leap. So it launched last week. It's a blog. We've got a podcast. I've been watching people like you and taking lots of notes. And so we've got a podcast with new episodes coming out every and, other week. And from what I understand, because we did the interview a month or two ago, I'm actually on episode one. You are my first premiere episode. So go listen to Retirepreneur, episode one, and I will be there talking as well. And you were so good. You were a good start because this whole concept of networking, I think if you're going to be, a, you know, if you're operating solo, maybe it's a, a business that some people might do with a spouse, who knows, but your network becomes it's always important, but I think it's ultra important when you're um, a consultant. So that's a great segue because my next question is, how important is networking to someone who wants to launch out and start their own business? Why don't you give me some examples of how that's worked well for you? Um, I'm back to, and I hate to use this, the same metaphor all the time, but here I go. But I, I just think you need to know what your skills and strengths are, your, your, your swim lanes. And as a consultant, you know, I could think of the Meineke muffler, you know, hey, can you do that? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that, too. We can do that, too. Know what you do well. And when a client expresses a need that's outside of that scope, have a really solid network of proven providers that you can invite in or recommend to address those needs. I think it's tempting sometimes for us to step out and we can make we can move to adjacent lanes but we shouldn't move too far from where our strengths are so that's where the 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 networking comes in one is to be able to refer business and and bring in other partners Um, the other thing is just to have a almost an advisory board that when you're pursuing a new idea and trying to think is this right for me you know it's kind of a mutual network where hey you call me when you need some help and hey I, i could use your ear i've got an idea i want to run by you well, and I know you're really good with the clients who you advise, too, when they have a need, be it for any type of vendor, be it a speaker, be it an event design and stuff like that. You know, you're very good at recommending people who you know and trust and have seen do good work. And I'm sure that some of those people do that same stuff back to you when their clients are looking for that right consultant to help them grow their event. So, I mean, throughout your career, have you seen the network work for you? Yeah, and I do think, though, that it's interesting watching networking. And I think digital, as digital expands, it becomes that much easier. And what's kind of neat for me is that with Skype and video conferencing, you can really get to know people, you know, globally and never be face to face yet, at least you're seeing them on a screen. Um, The interesting thing, by the way, with events is that you build these digital relationships, and then you go to a conference, and you finally see someone you've been communicating with for two years, and you're you're hugging them. It's the first (laughs) time you're seeing them face to face. Um, So yes, I see the networking piece really um, increasing. But I do think that this concept, there are some people that are like, there's this reciprocity thing. And, you know, I, I actually think the best networkers are, are go-givers. They're just, you need help? Let me know what I can do. I mean, within scope. I, I don't like the, hey, can I call you and pick your brain? Because I, I kind of say, well, that's kind of what I charge for. That's my business. <laughs> um, so, you know what I'm talking about with that. But I, I give freely. I watch and, and um, it comes back to you in times you didn't even expect and multiple fold. Well, and I've been teaching this stuff for a long time, and, and, and there's a lot of gray areas around that. I mean, some people are like really cautious of that pick your brain. Some people are open to it. But the reality of it is you hit on it, and that is you can't be worried about reciprocity rep- rep- because what happens is is that you really end up – if you're trying to keep score – 
you are, you're hurting the game because there are so many people out there who are what I call watchers and they're watching sort of the community around them. And they know, they know who the givers and who the takers are and who the people who have to keep score are. And when it comes time for, for them to give, the real givers, I think they've been burned a lot of times by the takers. And so they watch and they watch. And you may never give to them, but they see you being open to helping other people. And then they have an opportunity that can be life-changing. And, that, and that's happened to me. Somebody I didn't know came and offered me you know, an introduction to something that led to a big piece of business. And I said, thank you. And they said, well, you do a lot for our community in the events business. And I've been watching you. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome because it worked really well for me, but it retuned me into this idea that I too need to be an observer and watch who the real givers are and be ready to give when, when I can. And I, I know this is your interview, but I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> okay. I love it when the so, guests, I love it when the guests take over. That's the coolest show. Just what I have to ask you a question. So sometimes somebody does something for you and you want to pay them back. But you can't really refer them in because they're just not at a quality level. Like, I, I don't know how to say it, but there's times when I want to refer someone in, but I can't because they're, they're doing something that. Wow. When, when, you take, when you take over the show, you open a can of worms, don't you, Donna? So, I do. So that's actually a topic that I've been thinking a lot about because I had a very similar experience come up. And that is there was somebody who I, I didn't think matched the quality of somebody that I, I would refer, but they are a very, very good person and they did me a favor. And so what, what do you do in that? Is the question, what do you do in that standpoint or in that situation? You send them a fruit basket? Yeah, or? Well, so, so A, <laughs> yes. I mean, kind of. So yeah. You're not, they're not ready for them to be on your referral list. Doesn't mean they won't improve with whatever their business is. You know, with time, people get better. And that's, you know, uh, Jessica Pettit, who has been on this show probably more than anybody else. She's part of my mastermind group. She's probably been on this show three or four times. She is famous in the, the meetings world for a short talk she gave that has led to a lot of association work. And the theme of that talk came down to leave room for edits. So before I get into what can you do, I, I want to remind people just because your opinion of somebody is one thing, you know, in January 2012, you want to leave a little bit of room for edits. And, and I'm messing up Jessica's theme here, but basically my daughter just wrote about this in a report. And w what Jessica says is that, you know, as an author, when she releases a book, what we read as the published book isn't the first draft. It's been edited several times by her, by editors, by her advisors, and then the book is finished and given. So it has changed a lot from the first draft. And we need to do the same thing with our opinions of other people. When we meet them, we write their stories in our head, but often after only knowing them five minutes or maybe observing them online. And over time, you have to leave room for edits and give people a chance to change and grow in reality and change and grow in the, the decisions you've made about them. So the first thing is, is maybe you can refer them in a year or two because maybe they will improve. So you have to keep that open mind and keep an eye on them. But the second thing is, is during that time where you think I can't refer them business, you know, I don't know if a fruit basket is the right answer, but you do something that that person is going to like. And it can't be the right. same thing for everybody. So I used to send all of my favorite clients, I used to send them C's candy because I grew up in Southern California. And that was a way to say thank you for having me be part of your world, of your event. But the problem was, is as I got to know some of these people better, some of them are very health conscious. And some of them, their offices didn't want that. So then, you know, if I keep my ear to the ground and I found out that they were a very health conscious people in their association, maybe they'd get an edible arrangement. 
or, oh, you know, or something else. Or if somebody really likes wine, send them a nice bottle of wine. But, but here's the thing. If you know somebody likes wine, don't send them yellowtail, right? You got to go out. And if you don't know right. wine, you've got to go to a wine store and you got to be willing to spend, you know, 50 or a hundred dollars on a bottle to get something that's that the wine person is really going to enjoy. So Find out what's important to them and what they like and then try to cater it that way. I used to have a job with a a very large expense account. And one of the things that I would do is I would ask people, so what is, you know, and this was all local. My clients were all in my city. And I would ask, what's your and your wife's favorite restaurant? And I would keep that sort of in there. And then if I had to say thank you or had to, if I wanted to say thank you to somebody because they referred me a piece of business, I had a big expense account. I would invite them and their husband or their wife out And I would choose the restaurant that I had recorded in my file about them maybe six months or a year earlier. And I would say, hey, would you you guys like to be our guest at Wink is my way of saying thank you. Everybody always said yes. And who doesn't have a great time going to their own favorite restaurant? So the way to thank them is to get to know them and, you know, find out what's important to them and then tailor that thank you that way. Because the other thing is that sometimes it's not even that they're bad you know, that you can't refer them. Sometimes you don't have the opportunity to refer them. That's, that's, right. you know, I, I get referred a lot by people like you who are consultants to associations. The associations don't come to their speakers and say, what consultants do you know who are out there who can help us drive attendance? It's, it's, I'm, right. I'm usually not approached for that. And yet, you know, the people at, at Experient and, and Velvet Chainsaw and people like you oftentimes are, and so mm-hmm. you, you can refer me 10 to 1 over I could ever refer you. So I have to find other ways to say thank you to people who do that for me. Thank you. I'll step back in my guest chair now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I do have more questions for you. But, but first, I got to thank the sponsor of this show. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work. And let me tell you, I would never get the heavy lifting and the technical work done. So if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be listening to this show right now. And you can just focus on creating great content, growing your business, and interviewing really cool people like Donna Kastner. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show and just call them and say, hey, Tom says you'll talk to me about what I need to do to start a podcast. And they share a lot of information, but boy, after you talk to them, you're going to be a client. I love working with them. And I thank them for being a sponsor of this show. So Donna, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? I think it is the podcast. Why? Tell us Uh, about it. Well, and I know a lot of people are podcasting, and I have a background in radio. Among that uh, quilt, crazy quilt of a career, I was a host of a parenting show in Lima, Ohio, and then I was the host of of the Work at Home show here in Cleveland. And um, so I've got some background with this, but of course, in a big old studio, and now I'm, you know, Joe Podcaster, ready to go. But uh, there's a studio in in Akron, and I'm trying a different take. I'm going down to the studio and doing the first half of each podcast there with trying to uh, get that smooth sound, and then I'm doing um, interviews from home. So it's kind of a two-part format, and we're continuing to tweak as we go. 
But I think that what I'm loving about this podcast is much like what you're doing is I'm having conversations with some really interesting people. Um, and it's just, it's allowing me to do that creative media thing that I love. And in the studio, I've got a good partner that he'll keep me from getting too crazy creative. Um, but we're getting we're getting into the entertainment piece. We're dropping in clips, and he's he was along with me for the infomercial days. So he keeps me um, steering clear of of that craziness. But you know, he'll help me with the production piece. So it's awesome. been interesting. Awesome. And again, it's called the Retirepreneur Show, and they can find that on iTunes. They can find it on iTunes. They can find it. Um, it's going to be on Stitcher soon, and it, on our website, retirepreneur.com. And somebody said. Oh, gosh, you should uh, – retirepreneur is kind of hard to spell. You sure you want to go with that URL? And I'm like, you know what? If you can't MacGyver your way to figure out how to spell retirepreneur, you're probably going to struggle with this pursuit. So maybe that's a good filter. <laughs> so, so, so put it in, Google it, and find it because if you can't do that, you're never going to make it as an entrepreneur. Awesome advice. Yep. I love that. Hey, so I think – Great, I think great entrepreneurs, in addition to doing good work and building their companies and starting podcasts like yours and doing great things for their clients, I also think that, that they're observers, right? I think that great entrepreneurs are watching to see who out there is also an entrepreneur who's doing something cool. So I love to ask the guests on this show, not you and your company, but who else out there do you say, wow, that entrepreneur, they're doing a cool thing? Well, there's one very recent, I've been following him for years. And he's he's a big entrepreneur, but Joe Polizzi with Content Marketing Institute, I'm a disciple of uh, Content Marketing Institute and I've learned so much. And they have an annual event called Content Marketing World. And finally, you know, it was the equivalent for a marketing geek like me going to Content Marketing World. It was the equivalent of Disneyland. <laughs> and I just... And it's in your backyard. On, it's yeah, right there. In five years, they went from 600 attendees to they're pushing 4,000 and oh, what a gathering of people that are really committed to this field. So I'm amazed and astounded by what this one individual has, the, you know, the, the enterprise he's built in a short period of time and continue to learn lots from him. That's awesome. And no, first time anybody's ever mentioned him, and he is fantastic. I've read a bunch of his stuff, and he's right. The, you know, content marketing is where we're at. We got to keep doing it. So, yeah, they have to find the space for sure. So the other question that I have is, in addition to being observers, I also think that entrepreneurs want to leave their mark. They want, to, they want to help the greater good. So what is it that you do to give back? You know, we've always, as my husband and I have always been involved in volunteer pursuits. And, and as our, we have three sons who are now grown out in the world. Um, but it seemed like most of our volunteerism was around our church and school activities. And now with the kids gone, um, we were in a great community, and I joined the Rotary, and um, I felt like my kids benefited from a really great community, and I wanted to kind of expand my network, and I'm now a Rotarian. Nice. It's one of the few places that I can walk into a meeting with a wonderful talk about go-givers. This group is amazing, but it's one of the few instances where I walk in, and I'm, 
uh, among the younger demographic in the room. So that's also good. But they're they're an amazing group. Some of the things they're doing um, globally. I mean, they take on some really big big projects, and and so I've really enjoyed that. And I've had the honor to speak for several Rotary clubs, and it is the salt of the earth, best people you're ever going to meet. And I have a friend who's a lawyer, and she moved because she got married. She moved to the, the you know, small town outside of a big city, and she joined that small town's Rotary club and has built her business into like the top law firm in that region of the city that they live in solely from, you know, the people that she associated with in Rotary. I mean, she'll tell you that her her time as a Rotarian has been worth a lot to her business. Wow. So three cheers for Rotary Clubs. Yay. So, Donna, if people are listening to this, and, and we have a lot of people in the events industry who check in from time to time, if they're listening, someone from an association, and they're like, oh, my God, she's like the exact person that, that we need to find to help us with growing our conferences, or if somebody is thinking of retiring and starting their own thing, and they're like, oh, my God, I have to know more about Donna Kastner, how do they find you? You know, I, uh, I'd have to point them to the Retirepreneur website for my contact info. Um, so retirepreneur.com, uh, or LinkedIn, um, connect with me there. I'd welcome that. And it's Donna Kastner, K-A-S-T-N-E-R. That's correct. All right. You'll find her on LinkedIn. All right. Well, Donna, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Any last parting piece of advice for the audience? Keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> oh, that worked out I'm not well. kidding. Tom, you, you, you provoke all kinds of ideas. I enjoy listening to it. You always kind of get me thinking about another new thought. So, Well, thank you. I, I, I didn't set that up for the, the self-gratification there, but I'll take it. So thank you very much. You're hey, welcome. And to everybody who's listening, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and listening to these shows. I really enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. And I do appreciate it when you reach out and contact back to me. So go to Twitter. We're at Cool Podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook uh, at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And you can always find me at Tom Singer, dot com, And jump over there. Go into the About button and look at the group coaching program, the Cool Things Project. We have a little mastermind group that meets once a week via video. And we we share ideas, and it's great for solopreneurs or people who are trying, you know, salespeople or people who are trying to be more entrepreneurial inside their business. And it's probably a great place for people who are retirepreneurs because we try to share ideas so that you're not all alone out there when you're trying to create your own venture. Because I'll tell you, having done this now for seven and a half years, being a solopreneur is a lonely game. And so I've tried to create a little space that doesn't cost very much, that allows people to have a little community. And, and that's what we're trying to, trying to put together. So find out more information if that interests you. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Donna Kastner. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.